showed up me too it only is six hours late but everything's fine it's fine it's fine now it's fine it's fine it's fine it's fine it's fine and thanks for having me on here i'm really excited to read chapter seven (laughs) so when this comes out on saturday the sixth It'll almost be Lars's birthday. When is his birthday? I thought it's, it was- he's eleven seven, opposite of seven eleven. It's my baby's birthday. Mm-hmm. He's, turning he's turning two, two and I'm yeah. gonna make him a dog treat and peanut butter cake. Lars also ate my panties, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, the birthday boy. And up. the birthday boy. We left them on the side of the road covered in dog vomit and then when I went back to that same swimming hole later that summer they were still there right and they were red and so it was really disturbing when we first saw them and we're like what came out of the dog right now now it's like oh no look there's silver bows those are my panties (laughs) dad and I looking at it being like what did he eat like there's nothing back here that could have been it looks like material that he barfed or we thought he barfed on something in the truck yeah. And dad's like, like, there was nothing back here that's like that. And then you come around the corner, oh my God, those are my panties. <laughs> <laughs> and we just like scooped it all out onto the ground and left it. <laughs> is that is that is that legal? Is that legal? Of course oh. that's legal. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lars Larson. Lars. Lars Marie Larson Hosteller. This chapter happens concurrently with the previous one, which is a it's a running chapter before this one. It's him going on a mission in Barden with Crusay. Oh, sorry, I just walked upstairs. <laughs> walked up very quickly. <laughs> um, yeah, so it happens concurrently with the previous chapter um, to where they actually do collide at one point kind of the beginning of the vanilla one and the end of the ronic one and this is the first time that we've had any of the character povs crossover and i don't know if it's something that you know everybody got on the first read or if it's like easier going back now but like you know in uh, i think it's chapter two the first one you meet ronic in when he's having dreams about the orcane forest and seeing a girl there and all he can kind of remember is that she has blue eyes. And that's actually why he picks up nine in the previous chapter, because her eyes are blue when he meets her. And he's like, oh, it's the girl I've been dreaming about. But then it wasn't. I remember when I read that, uh, the chapter previous to this one, like I got that right away. And I was like, oh, I see what you did there. The vanilla one, which the same like dream sequence when she's like having nightmares about her old house being filled with skeletons and shit. She kind of mentions uh, 
I think it's, she actually does mention the working force directly, or she at least describes it. And then at one point she had met somebody from Sonanka there. Yes. Then she meets the prince of Sonanka named Aconite, which, yes. you know, doesn't seem like Ronick, but he's also from Sonanka, so who knows? Gotcha. I that know. part I did not get. <laughs> Chapter 7, Prey, and the Whispering Plains, west of Barden. Fennel could barely catch her breath as they came upon the city of Barden. The last light of the sun sank beyond the horizon. Nalahi beckoned to the Kionios to follow her before she again took off sprinting across the wide open plains surrounding Barden. The grass was tall, well past Fennel's knees, but it was wispy and easy to traverse. Instead of heading to the main gate of the city, she led them to the far wall, well hidden away from the moonlight. Thunder would occasionally shake the earth as dense clouds began to gather. Fennel feared that the rain would soon come, making this task all the more challenging. Nalahi stopped as she came to the stone wall surrounding the city. It was nothing compared to what the walls of Kin once were. It was slightly over 10 feet in height, and the stacked stone blocks provided plenty of footholds. It was more of an inconvenience for someone trying to surpass using the gate rather than a barrier. Nalahi waited for the Kionios to catch up to her before dexterously darting up the wall and hopping down on the other side. It began to drizzle as Vanel tucked the tip of her boot into a crack between the bricks and hoisted herself up to the, ne the next niche she could find. Nalahi had made the climb look so easy. Vanel could hear her shouting from the other side of the wall that no one would see them if she would only hurry. Inch by inch, Vanel moved further away from the ground. Ash curled his fingers over the top of the wall and pulled himself up onto the ledge. He reached his hand down to her and with his superior upper body strength, he heaved his sister up over the wall and lowered her down to the ground on the other side. He leapt off and landed easily on his feet. Vanel's legs felt oddly weak after running so much, but she hid her discomfort and said nothing. Nalahi was crouched behind a stack of wooden crates and barrels as she carefully observed the area. We just have to be certain no one saw us sneak in, and then hopefully we will be safe. We should all blend in well enough. Barden is a crazy place. We'll leave the spot one by one and regroup. She was cut off by a heavy sound of a door slamming open in the dark alleyway that lay just before them. The noise from inside the building leaked out as a copper-skinned young woman suddenly stumbled into the night. She looked frightened, and she immediately retreated to the furthest corner of the alley. At first, Fennel thought her eyes were deceiving her. The second person to emerge looked well enough like a man, but he also looked like a beast. His skin was a dull red, and his stringy black hair hung all around his head loosely. His yellow lizard-like eyes bulged out from their sockets with a hellish fury as he bared a mouthful of needle-like teeth. He approached the woman who cried out for mercy. Please, I didn't do anything, I swear. It wasn't me who killed them. She sobbed as she sank down to her knees. The creature answered in a different language, its voice cruel and snake-like, but the woman understood whatever it said and began to cry and beg harder. Nalahi averted her eyes from the scene this is what Barden has become. It's always crawling with breath, fucking breath. They make everything look 
so goddamn revolting, she cursed. Breath, Ash repeated. Is that what that thing is? Nalahi looked embarrassed that she had forgotten that the Kionios were new to the world after being isolated for so long. Yes, they're mercenaries from Twega that Cross brought in after half of Sira's army either quit or mysteriously vanished. Cross cares nothing for conquering land and gaining power like his father. He hides in his castle and surrounds himself with soldiers he pays. He turned his power against his own people in some paranoid attempt to defend his throne. So now the number of Greth in his army outnumber the men. But I suppose I relish killing those awful things. They spare me killing my own kind. We have to help her, Ash interrupted. Don't be a fool. We're here for a purpose, and that's it. So you expect us to just sit here and watch him kill her? Ash hissed angrily. He began to stand, but Nalahi forcefully grabbed onto his shoulder and yanked him back onto the ground. If you try to save her, we will be captured and killed, and we will never get to cross. Is that what you want? Don't fucking ruin this. There was a loud slap as the Greth forced his fist across the woman's face. She put her head to the filthy ground and grabbed his boots, begging him to stop. The Greth seized her by her long, thick hair and forced her to sit upright so he could hit her again. Benel placed her hand on Asha's shoulder, unable to wrench her eyes away from the scene. She could feel her brother ready to dash, but as he did, a dark shadow dropped down from the rooftops and into the alley. The Greth slowly turned to meet his new enemy. In a flurry of movement, the Greth was decapitated, and the figure then swooped around the woman. Ash pulled Vanel's hand away and bolted into the alley. Nalahi cursed and began to chase after him. Vanel watched helplessly as Ash threw the dark-cloaked figure off the woman and tried to push him back against the brick wall. Her body started moving before she even willed it to. She shouted for her brother and grabbed onto his shoulder. Ash tried to shrug her off. His hands were grasping toward the figure's throat as he spewed a string of profanities. As the hood fell back off the cloaked figure, she saw yet another monster. It was a pale-faced man covered in numerous ugly scars. Blood was smeared all over his lips and there was a set of long fangs protruding obscenely from his mouth where his eye teeth should be. She had never seen one of them before. He had the red disease. Vanel felt her entire body become paralyzed with fear as the red man's eyes rested on her. His gaze made her feel like helpless prey, staring into the eyes of a predator in its last moments. She felt her demise was imminent. The red man once again swept up the young woman in his cloak. She threw her arms around him and in a single leap, he returned to the rooftop and disappeared. Nalahi emerged from her hiding place behind the barrels and marched straight over to Ash. She landed a single good punch on the side of his face before picking him up and placing him back on his feet. Ash's head lolled around his neck as he faded in and out of consciousness. What the fuck did I tell you, she said, harshly in a lowered voice, though her fierce rage still burned through. She roughly grabbed his shoulder and slammed him against the wall. Ash snapped out of his stupor, and his icy, hateful look quickly returned. You saw him. He was infected with the red disease, he hissed back. Nalahi punched him again. I could do this on my own. I have suffered as you have suffered. I felt sympathy for you two. 
I understood you need for vengeance. I could leave you here and you would be lost. You need me. Don't forget that. One more slip like this and I'll let you rot in your own mistakes. She released Ash from her grip. Her enraged golden gaze was enough to make anyone feel like they were still under her fist. Vanel was shocked to see Ash silent. He kept his gaze lowered, but she could still feel all the emotion radiating from his entire being. It was difficult for him to control his temper, but it seemed that his fear of Nalahi kept it from boiling over. When it was the two of them alone, Ash made all the decisions. With a new person, their closed world, Ash's role had to be different. He couldn't speak to Nalahi the way he spoke to her. A wild woman would abandon them before he could finish his sentence. Nalahi began to walk away down the paved street that led to the heart of the city. Vanel gently grasped her brother's hand, silently offering him comfort as they followed. Barden reeked of garbage, smoke, and old booze. It was the middle of the night, and the city was bursting with drunken energy. Loud parties and gatherings could be heard within every house, inn, and pub. Stray animals and homeless beggars took up the gutters, either sleeping or scrounging for food. Vanel was shocked to see so many different people from all over Valhutin and its neighboring nations. Tuagans with their thick, shiny black hair braided with golden decorative bells and their rich brown skin. There were even some people of the Gotsmores, native to Valhutin before the Aegeans invaded from the Northeast. Most of the Godsmorians people never left their reservation in Tiver, a mountainous region that covered much of the north of Valhutin where they still faced much prejudice and had such distinct features, pale, glittering freckles across their faces that mirror constellations in other heavenly bodies. The people of the Godsmores were distant cousins and religious counterparts to those that lived in Ellenhall, the far east, where it said all life began. Vanel had been to Barden once as a child, but it was a very different place. It had been home to only the upper class, and it was the native seat of the Vidals. Now she had to watch the pavement to avoid stepping in vomit. Many of the timber and plaster houses were decaying with age and the roofs were thatched straw or wood shingles rather than stone. Nalahi must have noticed how slowly the Kionios followed her as they were too preoccupied with their surroundings to keep up. The Barden you remember was home to Sarah's younger brother, Diar. He is the heir apparent of Vale Hutton, and Cross remains childless. He and his family surrounded themselves with their allies and relatives until their settlement grew into the Barden that you knew. When Cross came into power, DR went into hiding with a close group of loyalists. Whether he's plotting or just protecting himself, no one seems to know. His estranged wife has been in Piasis, and I know he has a daughter who would be queen after him. She paused to carefully step over a body, either unconscious or dead, lying across the pavement. Without DR, Barden just kept deteriorating further and further. The stench of the city nearly made Vanel's eyes water. Rats squabbled over crumbs in the gutters. Vanel stumbled as her foot fell into a brown puddle where bricks were missing from the cobblestone road. Her face scrunched up with disgust. 
the faint noise of a familiar and cruel laughter began to grow louder and louder. There was a well-lit building with large windows ahead. Dozens of uniformed soldiers drank and gambled in a cloud of cigar smoke. Vanel could see just daggers and swords strapped to their sides, but guns. Guns had been outlawed since the Rodals overthrew the previous reigning royal family, the Cerulians. Now men of the royal army were carrying them. More than 100 years ago, a Cerulean king by the name of Hessian followed a bastard, fathered a bastard son through a common servant girl living in Star Palace. Though the girl's name had been lost somewhere in history, it was well known that she married a rich man from the south named Rakal Radal. Upon learning of this new stepson's royal parentage, Rakal began to spread rumors of corruption around the capital and asserting that his stepson had better claim to the throne than the Cerulean's heir, Hessian's niece, Bethel. The bastard, Sira, was the only child Hessian had fathered. An industrialist, Bacall, and his followers suffered few casualties storming Star Palace and killing the reigning Cerulean's with his mass-produced firearms. No retaliation ever occurred from the citizens of Valehutin. In fear, they accepted their new teenaged king, Sira Vidal I. Any that objected to his claim were quickly silenced. The rumor persisted, however, that Bethel and her betrothed husband, Retaurus Rillian, had escaped the sack of Star Palace and were both hiding somewhere in the West. Both offspring bore the telling Cerulean trait of mismatched eyes, so it was likely they did not survive once their lineage was recognized. The inn before us is the most expensive one in the city and is very popular among higher ranking officers. I think it could be our best bet to find the king. She looked at each of them in turn, though Ash avoided her gaze. Do either of you know what Cross looks like? Both shook their heads, ashamed. Vanel had only ever seen a portrait of Cross and his older sister that had been made before she was even born. And she could what that one looked like. That's what I thought, Elahi said. Ash suddenly turned to his sister. Vanel, I don't think you should come. Her brow furrowed. You want me to wait out here alone? If Cross is in there, this will all be over. It will all be worth nothing if you aren't safe. So I want you to stay out here. You've never faulted on your promise to me. This is the least I can do in return. Nilahi began taking one step at a time up the stairs to the inn. She was growing impatient. Vanel was floored. She couldn't believe the words she was hearing. Ash never shared tender words with her, not even before quarantine. She was so touched, she found herself speechless. She was barely able to stammer out a yes. He followed Alahi inside the inn and disappeared into the crowd of soldiers. Vanel stooped on the stone steps outside with her chin resting in her hand. The air was so humid she could feel the water droplets in the air clinging to her throat as she inhaled. Now that she had a moment to think about what Ash had said, she began to feel foolish. He didn't care about her safety. She should know that by now. He would have never held her to her promise for so long if he cared. He just wanted to keep her out of the way. She was weak. She was a burden. Now that he had Nalahi, he didn't need her anymore. She could do what Vanel could not. She had always thought she felt alone 
even when Ash was with her, but this new sense of loneliness made her feel even more empty. The knowledge that the red diseased man that Ash had attacked was still out there lurking in the shadows began to throb in the back of her mind. She would try to push the fear aside, but just couldn't help feeling uncomfortable. The sight of those blood-stained fangs struck fear within her in some deep, untouched place. She finally began to grow more relaxed as the minutes ticked by. Her thoughts turned to what could be going on inside the inn. She had heard no sounds of a scuffle. Ash and Allahi must be sizing up their foes. Maybe they couldn't even find Cross. It could be the wrong inn, or he could have left the entire city by now. Their fate was up in the air. Everything around her seemed to suddenly slow down as her eyes focused on a single pair of black boots approaching the inn steps. The boots paused for a second to crush the end of a cigarette into the damp stone and then continued their course. All the noise of the crowds of Barton disappeared as her eyes rose from the stranger's boots to his face. She could feel something surrounding him, an aura that she felt herself drawn to. She was utterly enthralled. Her mind still couldn't place what made him so different from the other travelers in the city. Then it struck her, the red man. Without thinking, she bolted off in the inn steps and ran into the flooded street. She knew he was coming for her and she had to get away. She hoped that she could lose him in the bustle of the crowd, but every time she dared to look behind, she saw him following her still. She silently cursed her brother for provoking the demon. She turned off the main road and slipped into a narrow alley between two buildings. There was a maze of similar narrow paths throughout the entire city, but she couldn't waste a second to stop and figure out where she was. She just kept running from the monster behind her. She couldn't find her way back. She stopped at a corner to catch her breath. She didn't hear any footsteps behind her, so she risked a peek around the building. No one was there. She had finally escaped. Vanel was gasping for breath, her chest heaving up and down heavily, just as she slumped against the brick wall behind her to rest for a moment. Her eyes caught a flutter of a cloth dart over her head. Footsteps pounded from the top of the building. They were coming in her direction. Red eyes glared down at her through the darkness. She began to realize that there was no escaping him. He was the hunter and she was the prey, the weakest member of the herd, just waiting to be picked off. All her running had been futile. He was toying with her, but she still couldn't let herself surrender. She wouldn't give up on her life so easily after surviving the most horrific massacre that Vale Hutton had ever seen. She ran again, darting down alleys and making quick, sharp turns. Then she saw it, a dead end. She couldn't turn around. He had closed in too near behind her. She put her hands against the brick in disbelief. She had been caught. He had herded and corralled her like an animal. Now she had no other choice. She gathered what strength she had and turned to face her enemy. She nearly ran into him. He was so close. He lowered his head so that his face was even with hers. And she became paralyzed with fear. Hello, he said, as he grinned cruelly, revealing those awful things. 
You didn't have to make me go through all the trouble of catching you. I just wanted to talk. He placed his hands on the wall on either side of her, using his arms to prevent her escape. The misty rain had been lightly drizzling the entire night, finally formed droplets and began pouring down on them. She had to blink rapidly to see. She felt the water seeping into her clothes, making them stick to her skin. The man moved one of his hands around her throat and roughly pushed her against the brick. His long black hair clung to his face and neck as small droplets of water began to run off the thick twisted ends. The moonlight accentuated the white jagged scars on his face, making him even more fearsome. Where did you come from? He asked. His voice was calm as his fingers began to squeeze. Kin, she choked out. Don't lie, he said with a slight growl. Kim was wiped off the map over a decade ago. I know, was all she could reply. He sighed. And here I thought you might at least be slightly useful. He took his hand off her throat and instead he held both her wrists and wrenched them to one side while he used his other hand to grasp under her chin and pull her head to the side. She felt his lips press against her flesh. Instead of feeling fear, she felt hot. Her body temperature was rising and her stomach felt flustered. His lips caressed her skin, kissing down her neck and over the swell of her breasts. He brought his hand up and ran it over her hips. She realized he wasn't even holding her arms anymore. They were just hanging limply at her sides. He smirked. She didn't feel any alarm as his eyes blazed red and she heard the slick noise of his fangs slide out of his gums. One of his hands crept between her legs. The first noise she was able to make was a near gasp. His mouth met hers. Excitement rushed through her whole body as she felt one of his fangs graze her bottom lip. The taste of blood flowered on her tongue. A wild look crossed his face as he latched onto her lip, kissing her deeply and drawing her blood into his mouth. He pushed her wet hair away from her exposed throat and shoulders. He began to lower his head to her neck, but then stopped suddenly. <laughs> All right, I forgot to ask her name. She could only stare blankly into those red eyes for a few moments until she managed to find her voice. Vanel. She said finally. What? Vanel Kionio. He stopped. His eyes returned to a pale gray color and his fangs retracted. He looked at her again with his human eyes. Jet's daughter? She nodded, but she didn't she still didn't feel that her head was completely clear. It was raining so hard she could barely see his face anymore. She was confused as to why he stopped. She felt some deep longing within her that made her yearn for him to touch her again. Yes, she replied impatiently. The man let go of her completely and took a step backward. That boy that attacked me was your brother? He said as though he was piecing together some great mystery in his head. Yes, she replied again. She could feel his spell beginning to lift off her. I'm so sorry, I didn't realize. He stopped mid-sentence and took another step back in disbelief. You were the only survivors of kin? 
Of all the people there, you two survived? She could only hear his voice now. She could no longer see him through the pouring rain. She felt herself becoming more and more alert with each passing second. She waited for him to say something else, but there was nothing but the sound of the rain hitting the pavement. She stood up straight, venturing away from her refuge against the brick wall. He was gone. She suddenly felt herself wake up from the trance she had fallen into. She felt disgusting. She felt soiled. She was quickly fastened her pants and pulled her shirt down to cover herself. Her hands flew all over her body, trying to wipe off his touch. She couldn't believe herself. She couldn't believe she allowed him to have that kind of control over him. She would have completely bent to his will, and he wasn't even human. Her lip was still bleeding. She gently drew upon it with her tongue and spat out the blood left in her mouth. She couldn't stand that metallic, salty taste. She knew it was not safe out here. She had to get back to the inn and find Ash and Alahi. They were her only chance of survival in Barden. She had no idea how far she had run or even what direction the pub was in. She aimlessly wandered through the labyrinth of alleys, not knowing if she was just getting lost further. She found herself on a very busy road. People roughly shoved past her, trying to reach their destinations quickly to get out of the rain. She heard a joyous roar building up within the crowd just ahead of her. Hail your king! Hail King Crossvidal! A group shouted in unison. The cheers spread throughout the crowd, repeating Cross's name over and over. She tried to catch up to the celebrating group. She felt her heart pounding. Was Cross in the crowd? Was she so close to him on her own? A swarm of breath surged past her. Occasionally, one of the creatures would turn to her with an approving hiss, but nothing more. She tried to keep her sights on the breath, but she could barely see over the crowd. She roughly pushed her way past the endless flow of people trying to catch up. It was possible they were going to wherever Cross was. To her disbelief, she recognized the steps of the inn she had been sitting on earlier that night. She kept on the trail of the breath as they walked inside. The noise inside the inn was deafening. It was so crowded that she could barely press her way forward. The air was hot and thick with sweat and smoke. A man sitting at the bar laughed so hard that he fell backwards on his stool and crashed directly into her. He spilled his ale all over her, already soaked clothes. He didn't apologize. He got to his feet and wobbled away. She pressed on, looking all over for her brother. She started calling out Ash's name, but she couldn't even hear her own voice over the clamor. She had been gone for some time while she was running from the man with the red disease. She feared that Ash and Alahi may have left the inn and gone looking elsewhere in the city. She felt like a lost child. She didn't know what to do next. All she could do was keep searching and keep fighting to hold back her tears. An ear-splitting crack brought a silence over the pub. As everyone recovered from the noise, all eyes looked up to see an older man with a jagged pink scar on his cheek, which left an empty patch in his beard, standing on top of the bar. He crushed glass underneath his boots as he walked across the tabletop, eyeing the crowd as he passed. He held a gun in his hand, which was aimed to the ceiling and smoking. His lips curled into an angry sneer, accentuating the deep lines on his face. 
There's been an attack on the Barton Royal Garrison, he boomed in an authoritative voice. Vanel tried to hide behind taller men in the crowd. She didn't want to risk standing out for one reason or another. The best thing to do was remain out of sight. She was fairly certain that the man was not cross. He was too old, but he definitely held a lot of power. I want all coherent officers to come with me to the DR estate. We ha may have captured the perpetrator. He stepped down from the bar and exited the building, followed by a handful of shamed soldiers. Vanel's mind was racing. She hoped the officers were mistaken. She knew she had to follow them. If Ash was in their clutches, she had to reach him. She tried to push worse possibilities from her mind. She knew she could never carry out justice for Kin on her own. She would fade away without Ash. She would have no meaning or purpose. She elbowed her way through the now somber crowd and burst out the door. It was still pouring outside and the lightning ferociously cracked across the sky. She gathered the minimal courage left within her gut to push herself ahead, propelled only by her thoughts of ash. You did it. It did it. When they're talking about the the uh, the Carillions and stuff, they mentioned that a common trait that they have is mismatched eyes and that two of the possible people of their line, you know, it's like it's rumored that they have escaped. And while it's kind of in passing, this is, you know, a pretty strong mention that hey, maybe the Redals aren't the only option. Right. Um, upon reading this again, that was actually a big thing I was thinking about too. It was like, huh, that doesn't entirely sound like that door is closed yet. Mm -hmm. um, maybe some foreshadowing. But it's kind of cool too. This book um, kind of focuses a lot on people like I feel like people's eyes like their eye color are a big thing that we pay attention to also it's a, it's a common motif for sure yes like the blue eyes the Keonios have I think I red eyes. I really do it on purpose but I think I almost like use it as a very strong um family notifier <laughs> kind of thing because every single one oh. of the cons have gray eyes you know, Keanu blue eyes, and then um, Minor Tide and Alos are both like blue green. Mm -hmm. so everybody's in a little category. Yeah, and then mm -hmm. the Kyrulians, and that's it's not all of them. It's almost kind of um, a weird, like, little foretelling thing that they it, it's um, heterochromia. Mm -hmm. Heterochromia runs in their family um, very strongly, and it's kind of rumored, like, or it was when they were in charge that if somebody was born with that, um, they were like kind of like the ultimate version mm -hmm. of, you know, so if one of their heirs had that, it was mm -hmm. like, oh, they're going to be a good one kind of thing. Yeah, I wonder what's going to happen with that, like, if we're going to see that pop up and like, and if we do, how that's going to be introduced. I would say that's something to look out for is anybody mentioned having mismatched eyes in the rest of the book. Mm-hmm. And just pay attention to eye color in general, mm -hmm. I guess, too. 
Very interesting. Who's Dynak? Jesus Christ. Yeah, so kind of what we brought up before was with the, um, this chapter has a royal family of Vale Hutton that were, I don't want to say usurped, but kind of weaseled out by the Radals um, after their last king didn't have a legitimate heir. And so it passed on to one of his bastard kids that had um, a Radal as their step parent. And so I think that is kind of an important thing to know going forward is like this is only I think like like Cross is only like third generation at all like people remember not having them around and a lot of changes have happened since they've been in there because they are a very like go-getter industrious family mm -hmm. and not necessarily um leaders well they just kind of like fell well not fell into this but like in a way kind of fell into this because their dolls are only around from wreck it dude wreck it ralph no recall yeah recall. <laughs> um the stepfather of the of Sarah the first right but he's like not actually a royal blood he just, correct so Rodolphe just kind of found their way in yeah he was marriage. the ambitious one that was like i have an in for a powerful position and i'm gonna take it and there weren't any like initial uprisings of that um yeah it was definitely a coup and they um killed off anybody that could possibly be a chirillion heir political unrest political. money Just power power <laughs> it goes all the way to the top <laughs> i know i gave a lot of thought to the games games are you ready for the game the game Okay, yeah, I know. This I don't know if this is going to be like every episode I have somebody on where we're playing game, but um, does anyone actually know what we're saying besides the four? Of I don't us? care. <laughs> Did Brennan know what you were saying? I didn't say that. Now we were just like we're casting people. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't. It, I don't think he would have been the least bit phased by it though, because he hangs out with you. Yeah. So. He'd be like, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. There are some that I'm not sure like are up for debate, but there are some that I'm like, no, fight me on this. How okay. about um somebody that just got introduced in a recent chapter? How about Chris A? Chris A is a Taurus. I agree a hundred percent. One hundred percent. She can be kind of stubborn, but she's just like I think she has that vibe about her, that badass chick vibe. And every female Taurus I know is. <laughs> so she's really good at taking charge in a way that doesn't seem so much like like a fire sign when they take charge. They no, it's a little have, more like it's other not passionate. Purpose. It's matter of fact. Yeah, absolutely. Great way of putting that. And also what made me giggle too is I think it was last chapter. Yeah, because she's sleeping at the hotel and it's describing as her snoring loudly. And I was like, Taurus. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the little quirks that we attribute things to. Yeah, uh, there's the vibes. this little yeah. like art thing. It's I can't remember what the hell it's called. It's like dark astrology, and they do like a little kind of like goth picture in like a tiny like poem or saying that goes with each one. And so, I actually have the clipping from it for Chris says it says Taurus. 
there's poetry and brutal efficiency. Ooh, and I'm like, that's Chrissé. That's totally Chrissé. But honestly, she's the girl. Like, she's the bitch that's going to get shit done. Mm-hmm. Dependable. Yes, dependable. But yeah, her stubbornness, you've said it really well. Like, it's, a, it's not like this passionate stubbornness is just like, no, like, I'm getting this done and you, like, can't tell me which way because it's very matter of fact. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's do her brother. How about Ronick? a good one for Ronick. He's kind of up in the air for me. I could see him as a fire or sign. What did you have Ronick as? I, okay. I say either like a fire or earth sign. So here's the thing is I also needed to make sure that his twin had the same sign. His Why? twin Helen, who's in, she's bigger role in the next book. Um, but they have the same birthday, so they need to be the same astrological sign, oh, right? yeah, duh. <laughs> so I was, like, kind of trying to pick some attributes that I thought could go with both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up kind of settling on Libra, and it oh, is another yeah. sign of duality and balance, and I think there are clearly two different sides to him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the that reasons that I have so, like, that. Gemini could be one, too, for that. Very sure, and both both Libra and Gemini are air signs. Mm-hmm. So Geminis are usually a little more extroverted. Oh, okay. And I think that's why I rolled back to Libra, because while they do have, like, a little bit of extrovert tendencies um, and a little bit of, like, vanity tendencies, which I think he does have because of his choices in women mm-hmm. <laughs> kind mm-hmm. of thing. You know, he puts – he's, you know – nice deep 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 down but he is a little shallow that way I think Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well how does that match up with um like you can take it a step further and think about how he is like his relationship with Vanelle Mm -hmm. based on her sign I thought she wasn't I thought she would be a water sign. <laughs> he is definitely a water sign. I put her as Pisces, I thought was a little too more, you know, it's, it's a very emotion driven, but I think it's a little more of like a deeper, like, like oceanic kind of water sign yeah. to where Cancer is the moon. Mm-hmm. And it, I was like, well, that's actually another symbol that I use for her pretty frequently. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I put her as a Cancer. I put her as a Cancer also, and I thought of, like, definitely not Scorpio, and then when I thought of Pisces, like, I've always thought of Pisces being, like, yes, emotionally driven, but, like, still a little bit more, I don't know how to, like, totally describe it, but, like, a little bit more calm, or, like, yeah, I was sure going to say, I was gonna say like, they hold everything together, yes, yeah. wise, um, not to say, like, Cancers aren't, but they can just be a little crabby, and Sorry, Brennan, for, I know you're listening, but also you have Leo in you, so it's not offended. All my best female friends have either been Tauruses or Cancers, and so, mm-hmm. like, for both of those to kind of pop up is, like, uh, some of my favorite characters. I'm like, what do you know? <laughs> so yeah, then let's do, let's do her brother. Oh, yeah, he's he a Sagittarius. Sagittarius for Ash. You know, it's yeah. really funny, is you have my sign for him. And I have him as a Leo. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> well, we okay. both have a fire sign, so. Yes. I mean, he's, he's obviously a fire sign, but in case 
other people don't know, I am a Leo and my sister is Sagittarius <laughs> and we we're blaming on each other. on each other. But I have I feel like I have a leg to stand on though because I my moon signs also Sagittarius. Right. I kind of thought that Ash and the way he reacts impulsively and you're known for being impulsive, yes screamed Sagittarius at me but then I understand why you might think why you could call him a Leo too because he has his own like he's doing shit for himself like yeah having your own agenda they they call it like a bit of like a like a childlike view sometimes Mm -hmm. and he definitely has that because he thinks he's the main character all the time as much as like looking from the outside that we're like this fucking asshole all the time within the story, like, there are other characters that he is able to manipulate, mm-hmm. um, and being charismatic is a common Leo trait also. Indeed. Indeed, they say. But, <laughs> but I will also say, speaking of charismatic traits, <laughs> <laughs> um, that if Ash were a Leo, he would give more of a fuck about his sister, because he would be more loyal to her, and he would have like yeah he takes care of her because like he kind of has to it's but he would just <laughs> right it, but him. if he were leo because yeah. they are all about their pack and they would die and do anything for their siblings just because of their passion and their love mm-hmm. for their siblings and not so much like i'm just doing this because it's my blood it's right like this is also a person that i love and so I feel like he would be talking more nicely, I guess, about Vanel. G- give even one fuck. He would give a little bit more than the minuscule <laughs> fuck he is giving out. <laughs> okay, well, speaking of Sagittarius, that's actually what I have for Nalahi. Oh, no, she's an Aries. She's definitely a fire sign again. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that was me having wishful thinking, putting her in my own sign, but I could, I would make the argument for Aries as well. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, because they are a little more pop offing, and she is. Absolutely. <laughs> the most pop offing. <laughs> they're the most, they're, they're the rage quitters, and I love yes. them for it. The rage quitters of the Zodiac. <laughs> they are. Like, I have dated and I love. I have dated so many Aries and our I father's love Aries. Aries. Our father's in Aries because they just, I love watching him get all mad and shit. <laughs> I'm like, wow, you have so much, like that's their passion. It's like yeah. what they believe in like comes out as like, you know, you must believe this. Like this is how it goes. And that's definitely Nalahi. And I thought you were going to put her as Leo actually, because don't you kind of draw her as like, a wild cat she's a little cat like yeah yeah but i mean i also use like ice and frozen stuff for ash constantly but his he's yeah. just a fire sign yeah ash is definitely i'm gonna say sun fire sign and then i know we can say sagittarius and probably for moon scorpio oh yeah oh who did i have for scorpio i had somebody as that i don't remember who i had as a scorpio but I, did. I think I only have one person as the, I think I have Nye as a Scorpio because every Scorpio female I've ever known is fucking insane. That chick just crazy. like her. 
<laughs> yes, just, oh, and here's her, it says Scorpio, you were every mother's cautionary tale. <laughs> I think that is actually what I thought of as well, because when I was looking at Nye, I was like, oh, she could be a Leo because she's fucking crazy and obnoxious. Very pretty. And I can say that because I'm crazy and obnoxious. But she's vindictive. And that's the Scorpio. That's They're like flashier tires kind of bitches. Yes. Yes. No. They're the ex-girlfriend you do not want. And <laughs> I will tell you, that was not the ex-girlfriend that you wanted. Um, minor tie, I think, is a Virgo. Virgo! <laughs> yep. The Virgo one says, I worry. That's it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah. I Jonah. 100% an earth sign. He's Jonah. I think I gave him freaking Jonah's birthday. Like, he's Jonah. It's Jonah. He's Jonah. He's the nicest guy in the world. He's the nicest guy in the world. The mattress. <laughs> it's not his fault. Um, so then let's do Nayla since he's right there also. Yeah, that's the only other one I see on the list. Is he? I also thought, I mean, when I think God's Moors, I just think earth sign anyway. Sure. Earth or air sign. I don't know that much about Capricorns, um, so you might be able to make a better argument for whatever you were going to say about Nelos, but I kind of, mm. when I think Capricorns, I kind of think of like, like the intense, like the fiery side of earth signs. They're supposed to be very uh, business-minded and kind of a pragmatic, like get your shit done. Um, not necessarily in like an overly passionate way, but they're supposed to be like actually very like money motivated and um, seeking stability that way mm. is like kind of the main trope about them. I know there's other things, but that's the stereotype we could say trope and stereotype were the words i was looking for <laughs> not so much capricorn for nailas then but he does he does have like an end goal in mind like yeah, i know when we read put, later on and like, he does put they, stock in like kind of surrounding himself with um yeah with like kind of typical ideas of what stability is like you know if he had his dream like he'd have like glory a nice house and a nice wife like mm -hmm. You know, um, I think I actually have him as Gemini because I think he's, but not, yeah, I don't think there's actually a lot of stability to him. I think he t makes too rash of decisions, clearly, mm -hmm. um, that sometimes That's other Gemini. people have to suffer for. That's pretty Gemini. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, for Pisces, I know she's like, you know, a smaller character, but for um, Pisces, I have uh, Saya. Uh, oh, absolutely. His wife, yeah. 100%. Emotional, deep, wise. Wise, mm -hmm. yep. She's like, she's got it all together. Yeah. What about um, Druid Warlock guy, Aldrion? I actually don't even have something assigned to him. He's beyond that. <laughs> He's Aldrion. <laughs> Whenever I read his name, I think of a raven's tramp. It's Azeroth, uh, but Azeroth, I still think Netrion Synthus. <laughs> or Aldrion is like a big, like, white tiger. That does sound like, you know what's funny is actually when I was in, like, high school, he was originally, like, this blue and silver, like, tiger thing that was Malahi's friend. I remember, can Those we, drawings. oh my gosh, can we talk about this? So I remember. Yeah, nobody my, else and I have talked about it yet. Yeah. I've mentioned it, but. So my sister and I used to share a room growing up, and I remember her drawing 
these characters when God, I think I was in like fourth grade because it was before Jonah was born. Yeah, it was before middle school is when I like came up with some of them because that's when I first started with D&D was like maybe fifth or sixth grade. Right, so this must have been like sixth grade for you then. Mm -hmm. But I remember, I have more of a visual in my head still of Aldrian now that you mentioned it and Nalahi again is always like this wild woman but the Nell's name used to be like Hikaru I think it was that is exactly yeah. what it was she had originally a Japanese name <laughs> and she had like purple hair yep. and like a red outfit on or yep. something it was like basically um fucking Princess Jasmine's slave outfit <laughs> yes <laughs> on it Wait, Princess Jasmine, Princess Leia? No, Jasmine, the red yeah. when she's got. Oh, when she's tail. got the big old ponytail. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. No, I remember that because then you we had them. Uh, you had like a whole binder of these drawings of your characters, but those two are the ones I remember. They've been persistent. Those. But I think it was always Nalahi, though. It was always that name. I think it, it used to be Narahi, but I changed it to an L. Mm -hmm. It's not that the character like developed and changed. It's sometimes I just kind of used a tidbit of them for something I needed. You had somebody named Devi with a V? Different book, but yes. A different book. Oh, different book, okay. which I may get to eventually here, but <laughs> we're focusing on this one for now. <laughs> one thing at a time. Yeah. Uh I mostly just remember the binder, but I think what was the most fun too, because, you know, as the younger sibling that was around bothering you all the time, I wasn't allowed <laughs> to see much of your creation. Nobody um, was. <laughs> nobody really was, but I remember when I would try to, because you had them like, because you had them in your closet. I think like they were, you had like all these drawings. Oh, like that would have been at that the Wildwater walk House, yeah, walk -in and closet. some of them are new ones and some of them are old ones, but anything I was proud of, like Chrisé was definitely up on my wall. Mm -hmm. Chrisé uh, was pretty consistent, Chris, it was she always kinda, the She looks pretty much too. the same, same outfit and stuff, yeah. Yeah, but I guess what I was trying to say was the most fun that, about it was seeing your drawing skills also improve, obviously, with age. And yeah. seeing like more of what you would add on to each character um, over the there's years. Not, there's not much I have saved because like as I improved, I would be embarrassed of other things, which like, you know, sucks because like now that I'm in like, that's way, way in the distant past, it would be so fun to have now. But, I mean, it's cool because people get to see how it all started and yeah. understand like this is a whole process. This isn't just like, I thought of this as an adult, like you've been doing this since you were in grade school. Yeah. Yeah, that is something that, like, I don't know, for me, drawing, like, while it was, like, kind of fun for me to try to show people what was in my brain with that, because, you know, writing, fully writing was still a little bit out of reach, so that was an easier way to do it, mm -hmm. um, to where I think I've talked before is, like, I would love for this to be a comic book, like, even more oh, than yeah. one movie or something, because, like, for me, that's actually one of my favorite forms of media, like, because you can get all of, like, the important words across, like, but there's still visual aid for it, too. Mm -hmm. Would you want to animate 
your comic book or would you want to have it be yeah, a same thing. Like, yeah I think comic book and then like maybe if, like for some <laughs> in some fantasy world <laughs> if it got to like Hollywood or whatever like I would be actually pretty happy with like an anime kind of mm-hmm. style of it still just because you can do so much more with that yeah and that's definitely what it I mean that's what it was based off of it's what it was inspired by. that's how my brain used to work man <laughs> uh, but that's like as you read it it just kind of makes sense for it to go like more of the anime route like, like animated like did version you see of it. The, um the movie that they did for the witcher when it was um Vesemir younger no i don't think so. it's on netflix um i mean the, the it's like a tv series like an it's just it's series? just a movie i thought it's a tv series it's just a movie um oh. but yeah it's animated kind of very anime style um of Vesemir when uh the what care more care morin care morin anyway that's that's what i want out of it is that kind of i think it might require a tv show but mm-hmm. um but yeah an animated series like that style would be fucking amazing would you want to what is it called like do it almost for yourself like you want to like still have like all the creative I think that's what everybody with us you know what I mean because it's like yeah it's like why would I do all this work and make all this stuff and have a lot of it so close to me just for somebody to kind of take it as their own interpretation um but I don't know it depends on how much money they well, so but I sell out, yes. <laughs> as long as you take me on vacation, well, I support you selling out. <laughs> Buy me out, no problem. Um, but I bet it also would have, I mean, how much of a choice do you really have in this, obviously, but it would also, could also depend too on the chemistry that you might have with the creative yeah. department too, because what if y'all really like each other's ideas, yeah. like they're really passionate about it. Um, but, you know, might just be thinking in a perfect world with that. Oh, all of this is, yes, very fantastical. But, I mean, with the way that, like, streaming and stuff is going now and, like, how many shows there are able to be and, like, how many, like, each of the streaming platforms has their own original series to where I think that there is a little more working with the content creator, the original creator, Mm -hmm. um, than there used to be. I agree with that. Um, I think that would be very fun for you. I think it, your uh, book could easily be made into a series and would be perfect for something like that. Yeah. We can, we can dream. I could dream, Harold. I could dream. I'm T-Pain. You know me. Dun, dun, dun. And I'll buy you a drink. Well, I got money in the bank. <laughs> <laughs>